0: you are listening to leaders and legends a podcast featuring some of indiana's most fascinating men and women whose impact has shaped our state our communities and us join us as we discuss their imprint on our history leaders and legends is brought to you by veteran strategies incorporated your local veteran business enterprise specializing in public relations media relations public outreach crisis communications and digital photography My name is Robert Bain, principal of Veteran Strategies, former deputy chief of staff to Mayor Greg Ballard, and communications director for the Indiana Republican Party. I'm honored to be your host for our discussion. We are joined today by Sherry Sywert, who is the Pontifex Maximus of all things downtown Indy, and one of the most incredibly delightful people you'll ever meet. Thank you, Sherry, for joining us today.
1: It is absolutely my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Downtown's getting ready to get hopping.
1: Well, it's been happening for the last couple of years. Weather yes, makes a difference. It, it, weather makes a tremendous difference. And so uh, come May, uh, you know, even late April, we'll see a big difference in the people on the street. You became
0: president of Downtown Indy in 2012. Correct. Talk us Tell us a little bit about what you did before then.
1: Sure. How far you want me to go back? You were born
0: on what day?
1: <laughs> born and raised here in <laughs> Indianapolis. Uh, prior to that, I worked for a state agency called the... I, so I want you to. Know, I I tend to rename organizations after I start. So it was it was the Indiana Housing Finance Authority. Very easy people called it IFA, and then I changed it to the Indiana Housing and Community Development Authority, which became ICTA, which is horrible or HICTA, but uh, it better reflected what we did. And so uh, it was it was a quasi state agency. We didn't utilize state. Uh, revenue, but uh, we provided resources to communities throughout the state uh, for community redevelopment.
0: And what'd you do before that? You said you were born and raised here? Where'd born you go to college? Here. Tell so, us everything. Uh, you want to know everything. How you met Andy?
1: Uh, oh, gosh. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> now he's going to have to listen to this. I went to IU, so didn't get too far from home. Went to Broadway High School, so IPS grad, K through 12.
0: Good for you. Yeah, yeah. I graduated from how?
1: Nice. All right. Public school.
0: So you didn't mind the IPS. Just to digress, yes. the IPS referenda, which I directed in 2018, were you conflicted?
1: Boy, how many people are going to listen to this? So millions. Uh, so when I was a senior in high school, uh, there was a debate on whether to close Broadable or Shortridge High School, and I was, believe it or not, the selected student to uh, go in front of the IPS board and try and argue why Broadable should stay open. Now, um, <laughs> you won. We did win. Mm-hmm. But I, if I were to be asked again if Rudderpool should have remained open, I would uh, likely say no. It really is um, a, a real estate opportunity. If IPS were to, you know, sell it and and uh, and not
0: and not to digress to the referendum, but I mean, yeah. Rudderpool is sitting at thirty seven percent occupancy. You ridiculous. just can't run on tight budgets. You can't run buildings at thirty seven percent. What was it like going to IU? Were you there for any particularly good basketball years?
1: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was there. Well, Bobby Knight was. <laughs> need need I say more? So every year was a good basketball year sure. while I was there. Uh, I was there uh, up until '87 when I graduated and uh, championship. Yeah, yeah. So good. Great, great school. Uh, really loved it. The only reason, though, truly, that I went to IU, I would love to say because I wanted to become, you know, going to medicine or something. No, I, I was the youngest of three, and my sister was at Purdue, and my brother was at Ball State, and uh, I was thinking, what other school can I go to that they're, you know, not there? So it was either Indiana State or IU. So that's that's truly the reason why I ended well, up Well, you got IU. to talk big smack. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I can't anymore, but I did that. <laughs> True. Point taken. <laughs>
0: No one I know who's gone to IU, let me say it a different way, everybody I know who's attended IU would go back tomorrow. They had so much fun. They just talk about it's so beautiful and it's a great community. Just what's it like being at at IU? Because everybody I know absolutely loved that experience.
1: Well sure, when you're that age, I mean, if you could transplant me back to when I was a co-ed at you know 19, absolutely I'd go back. but um, my daughter is there now, so I do have a little bit of a taste and, and it's it's changed somewhat, but it it is. It's a wonderful experience uh, in anybody's life when they're in college
0: I'd like to go back at your current salary <laughs>
1: I could barely pay her (laughs) tuition. There
0: are several organizations that, that market and support Indianapolis as a whole. Yes. Um, You're president of downtown Indy. How is that different? Say, for example, from visit Indy or other like organizations, you're all pulling in the same direction, but you do have different goals and methods.
1: You know, you're absolutely right. And so when you think about downtown Indy and we now say Inc. uh, we, we almost, um, You know, put that ink on there because when we change our name to Downtown Indy, oddly enough, everyone started referring to downtown Indianapolis as Downtown Indy. So we're no longer an organization. It sounds like we're the place, uh, which is not a bad thing. Sure. But uh, but Downtown Indy Inc. We uh, we often say we're the ones that create the product. So when you think about keeping a downtown safe and clean and, and vibrant, we create a product that Visit Indy can sell. So Visit Indy is um, the convention and visitors uh, association for our city, and they're the ones that are responsible for putting heads in beds. And that's really where a good portion of their um resources come from so the more folks the more conventions they can get uh to indianapolis the more heads they can put in beds that generates more resources and certainly it's good for us and obviously if downtown is a great place it you know a nice place to visit folks are going to want to book their conventions
0: over the weekend there was a i think it was a story in the indianapolis star that talked about how the people attending the ncaa excuse me the big 10 men's Basketball tournament, we're lamenting that it wasn't held in Indianapolis. I don't know if you saw that story. Uh, we lament it,
1: too, that they weren't held here, yeah. Point uh-huh. taken.
0: But when you hear stuff like that, we're, we're, and then um, several months ago for the Big Ten football championship, Mike Greenberg from ESPN tweeted that Indianapolis is the best big game city in the country. Indianapolis.
1: How does that make you feel? Like everybody just wants to come here. It, it, obviously, it makes us all feel good, right? I'm, I am grateful for, uh, the leaders that came before us that really planned our city well. So when you think about the layout of the convention center and the hotels, uh, they're all in very close proximity. Uh, there, it's a very walkable downtown, obviously. And, uh, and we've always, uh, maintained a very clean environment and so you know that the cultural trail certainly added um uh, the walkability component to downtown and and yeah it all works really well
0: does it does it matter to you that people are copying indianapolis we did a podcast with with ryan vaughn and he made it clear that that cities who are looking to rise up a little bit, like join Indianapolis and this this particular uh, cohort, are aping and copying and studying. How does that make you feel, A, and B, do you do that to other cities? Right, I was just
1: going to say, I just got back, well, New York is not a good comparison. I just got back from New York, but was meeting with the um, Bryant Park Um, there's a a group that sort of recreated Bryant Park in New York City. So I went to go and meet with those folks and learn a little bit more about what they did. But uh, sure, I go to mid-sized cities all the time. I'm on their websites. I'm, you know, culling through all their information, what's new, what's different. Uh, Because everybody's always trying to recreate themselves. They're always trying to recreate the the place. And so it's, you know, it's part, uh, you know, our downtown is what we say is authentic so, you know, the older components of downtown, and then, you know, coupled with all of the new development and the density with the, the residents that have moved downtown, you know, you're always trying to think about the what's next. What's, uh, you know, what's going to keep people from moving out of downtown? How do we generate more folks wanting to visit uh, downtown? So, you know, just always thinking about what else.
0: Is there something you've seen in a like sized city that you're, you just kind of go, I wish we had that. I'm thinking of something, and 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 I'll say it after you.
1: Oh, go ahead and say it first. San Antonio, with the Canal Walk, or with their you know, and River Walk uh, is, is that what they call right. it? I yeah, just hear people when
0: they when they go to San Antonio, that's what I hear. They they go, we were in San Antonio, and then the next words out of their mouth are River Walk.
1: And it's interesting if you uh, take the steps. Up from Riverwalk to kind of their downtown mm-hmm. proper, there isn't a whole lot going on. And and I love San Antonio, mm-hmm. and I love the Riverwalk. Been there many many times. Uh, it was created for what it is. I mean, for the restaurants, for uh, all of the um, buildings that are, align the river, um, exit out onto the river, and and so it was well planned. And they've you know. Um, developed an extension and so you know if you get an opportunity uh, take one of those little boat rides and, and go through it anyway um, our canal sadly wasn't uh, I actually worked we were talking about what we used to do I worked for Goldsmith uh, our former mayor for a number of years and he was um, one of, of his um, successes was to extend the canal and so the acquisition that occurred of all the properties and, you know, all the development that went on, there wasn't a, f- a full thought out plan on what ought to go there. And as a result, we wound up a- with a lot, of re- a lot more right. residential, not much retail. And so unfortunately, um, I think we could have had a better plan in place. It's beautiful. It's popular. If you go and run, right. If you if you want to take a walk, run. But when you think about uh, the San Antonio um, Riverwalk, it it's wasn't created for that, unfortunately.
0: When when Mayor Bowder was on and we were talking about, and it might have been one of your, what's your legacy, which is a word he doesn't like, but our accomplishment or something you're most proud of or whatever, I believe his answer is, because I think it's consistent, is connectivity. Yes. And I believe one of the, ways that he reasons he emphasized that a was because of his time overseas in the military where everything is so easy to get to. Like in Europe, we take a train and you're sure. going from one country to the other and so on and so forth. And the fact that his kids really influenced his way of thinking, he would tell you that he wanted to create. And I think he did create a city where young people wanted to come here, yes, live, work, raise a family, get an education. But connectivity is something that he's gone Back to many times. I bring that up because do you think it's feasible that the kind of embryonic White River projects and ideas that have been floated in the last year or so, is that the next natural extension of what Indianapolis has done downtown?
1: So I think in the next decade, uh, we will see, you know, when I think about downtown proper, we often talk about the mile square, which is north, south, west, and east streets. Um, but as we watch uh, development push out, we have, you know, Bottle Works, which is um, the eastern portion of Mass Avenue. You have 16 Tech, which is a northwest, you know, up around 16th Street. We certainly have um, um, the GM Stamping Plant uh, and and the redevelopment to come there, and uh, Criminal Justice Center, exactly. if you want to call it, but, but so you start to see the development push out in all four directions of downtown, um, the river. You know, we've always turned our backs on the river. So if you look at IEPY, you know, nothing faces the river. None of their um, their buildings face the river. So we really haven't developed point. around the river, and we've always kind of you know turned our backs on it. So it's about time that we engage um, the river. Most cities do. And so, yes, I think that that will be from a, um, as a destination point for downtown. I think that that is logical.
0: And that's one of the things that, that I've read is that the, the deep rock tunnel, all the stuff that's happening through citizens energy is mm-hmm. one of the things that's making this possible. Right. Is that correct?
1: Yes. And is, no, nobody wants to get in that water right now. <laughs> that's <where laughs> that's what right. I was always told. It's yeah. like, right. don't,
0: whatever yeah. you do when you're a kid, don't get in that water. Right. you went to Broad Ripple, grew up here, as you stated earlier. How do you feel when you look at your city and think about this, and this is a question I've asked other people, so I'll just ask it this way. If I told you in 1979 or 1975, Indianapolis in 2019 is going to look like this, have hosted this, is home to this, which one of these things would have made you the most surprised?
1: You know, I remember... I was always fascinated by downtown. So I would get on the bus and take it uh, downtown. Just, to, I may get off, I may not, just a route around downtown. And and I can clearly remember what downtown was then. And that was 78, 79. Um, and, and so much, uh, you know, there was a lot of vacancy. It was dirty. It was dark. Uh, and every you know everyone says it rolled up at five o 'clock and it, it was true i I later worked uh a couple of jobs and and one of them was um hostessing at a restaurant that 's no longer there, but the only time people came in was when there was a pacer 's game at market square arena so uh, and that was that was it i mean it was just so rare for people to even come out at night for dinner downtown so now, fast forward, <laughs> you, you know, it's still hard to get into uh, most of the restaurants in downtown, certainly on the weekends. You would never have thought about residential living in downtown. So those are the things that I think about when I think about the change in downtown and the transformation that we've seen.
0: And when you're walking around like at night, like say a Saturday night or a Thursday night or, or whenever, as you just said, is, is there a certain, you just
1: kind of shake your head do and you go what a lot of people say look at all the people on the sidewalks and it's nighttime that's exactly <laughs> so right it is it's true and i i do some of the other cities that i go to there still aren't there uh there isn't a lot of pedestrian traffic so we're very fortunate that people feel comfortable uh walking around downtown at night uh that and it, and Downtown is our safest neighborhood in Indianapolis, I mean, when you look at the data. So, it it makes me feel good that we can maintain a safe downtown uh, and that, you know, there are so many folks that want to live downtown.
0: You're listening to Leaders and Legends. Today, we have on Downtown Indy. Downtown Indy, let me get this right. Yes. Downtown Indy, Inc. Yes. President Sherry Sywert. Nice. We're sponsored by Girl Scouts of Central Indiana, our new sponsor, our new title sponsor. Mass Ave. Has any part of Indianapolis changed as much in the last five to ten years as Mass Ave?
1: You know, I would say that Fountain Square is uh, certainly pretty close. close. Uh, And um, I come from a community development background, so uh, I worked... (laughs) I've had a lot of jobs. I've worked for a group called LISC. <laughs> starting local, as a hostess. Yes, right. Local Initiative Support Corporation. And and we were a financial intermediary where we invested. Uh, we were the first money in to try and create that spark to bring the market into a certain area. And so Mass App was one of those. And um, and so it, it it generally takes about 20 years to really see that sort of transformation. By the time you start investing in a community, and then um, there are local folks that want to participate, and then you know the lenders come in shortly, and then capital. So it usually takes about a twenty, uh, 20 years to see that full transformation. And, um, and and so yeah, mass apps change significantly, almost to the point though where it's lost its art, um, the the feeling that that. People loved having the, um, you know, the local artists um, and that kind of infusion of local restaurants. And, and now we're starting to see the national brands come in. And uh, a lot of f- folks would love to be able to get ahead of that, to, to really maintain that genuine feeling um, that, that we had five years ago.
0: And once Bottleworks gets up and running then do, you, do you, is it your sense that once that happens and mass Ave is per, not done that's not the right way to say it but it's
1: it will be fully developed. Yeah. I mean there will be very few spaces that I can think of that um are still remaining that you wouldn't develop.
0: Do you get the sense that downtown transcends politics um I used to work in the mayor's office and people who lived in Marion County would say downtown gets everything, which is only ironic because everybody who doesn't live in Marion County says Marion <laughs> County gets everything. Right. <laughs> so the all politics is local axiom seems right. to rule. But how do you, how do you defend downtown when people say, ah, downtown gets it all. Why aren't we getting X, Y, and Z and Pike or Franklin? Sure.
1: So when I uh, defend downtown, um, the way I think about it is when you think about the city's budget, it's made up largely by two components, uh, from a real estate tax and from uh, a uh, income tax. And so for downtown, it is one one hundredth of a uh, percentage of the rest of the city. But we generate more revenue, meaning we have... Uh, a number of affluent people moving downtown, uh, which again, I, I, we can talk about that, but the affluence of downtown and that income tax that gets generated along with the uh, rise in property values, that money then gets dispersed throughout the city. So we're we're a generator of revenue that the re, uh, the remainder of the city can utilize. Downtown is a donor. And not only is it a donor, it's it, it's
0: unfathomable to think that some of the, if not all of the things that we've hosted and been home to for the past, let's say, 12 years, mm-hmm. without a vibrant downtown, I mean, these things aren't even possible. You, we don't have a lot of the, the attractions or natural, whether it's mountains, beaches, it's been made several times. So does your, I'm going to ask you this just honestly, because I'm going to show my bias. Does your head just explode? You just want, like, <laughs> like you're kidding me, right? You're gonna rail against downtown. You think downtown is the problem with this city?
1: Well, and, <laughs> right. I, yes, my head does want to explode. But again, I, I come at it from a revenue perspective, and the healthier our, our downtown is, the the city is going to benefit from that overall. So not only that, you want to be proud. You want to be proud of the city that you're a part of. And so when there are big events that are going on downtown, you know, people do. They gravitate downtown. They want a piece of it. They want to, you know, be a part of it. So, yeah, it's not just about the revenue. I think it's also about pride.
0: You came on as a president right after the Super Bowl uh, was hosted in February of 12. Was there a lot of residual benefit? I mean, did that goodwill help you last a long time because clearly indianapolis took the super bowl and this is incredible to say took the super bowl and remade the event i agree
1: yeah it was such a great event and people still talk about it i mean they we're still compared to other cities as the best super bowl city uh that it, i mean as a host and for a variety of reasons and um I mean, downtown certainly benefited as a result. Everything was clean and polished and ready to go. Certainly, Georgia Street was recreated as the Super Bowl, vill- Super Bowl Village. We now manage that space and have since uh, since uh, the end of the Super Bowl. And it's certainly been great for downtown. Uh, it's been great for our organization, and we've learned a lot. So, yeah. Did,
0: But do you think that it made people look at Indianapolis, not just downtown, but look at Indianapolis different. Like you got called up to the big leagues, you hit it out of the park. We We didn't didn't expect that. Now the weather helped, but we didn't expect this. So now we're going to look at you differently.
1: When you think about doing events, I mean, they're difficult to to manage. And it is is as if the stars aligned. Thank you, Alison Langton, that everything (laughs) went off without a hitch. And so, yes, I mean, we we succeeded as a city and all eyes were on us and so people saw us it and I often hear this that um, once people come to Indianapolis they go wow I didn't realize what a great city this was so getting folks here to actually look around was a, a big advantage for us because so many people saw us in such a great light.
0: We had Bill Benner on the podcast and, and I was a part of it for a little bit and then and then I wasn't able to do it but he was very eloquent in talking about how the volunteer community came together for the Super Bowl, and not just the Super Bowl. It does for other events. How important is that to downtown? To keep downtown
1: vibrant and going, and welcoming and friendly. You know, it is very, very important. I just wish that we had we utilized volunteers uh, more effectively, because I think that they are there, and there are a lot of folks that want to get engaged. In, in a variety of different things. But it's uh, we need, as a uh, the, the civic organizations between Sports Corp and visiting ourselves in the chamber, need to figure out how we better utilize uh, our volunteer base um, more often.
0: Is it something where, it, is it just an organization perspective? Like you have to be better organized or find more things for them to do? Maybe quantify that a little yeah, bit. Yeah,
1: you know, I think that there is plenty to do. What would be great is if, all of the organizations came together with with some commonalities of you know keeping volunteers busy because if it's episodic it's hard to continually engage them. So if we're if we're asking them to come and plant flowers, you know, three times a year and you know help us, you know, w- with some cleanups and that kind of thing, that's not exciting. They don't want to do that. They really want to be a part of events. And so how can we better manage uh, utilizing volunteers for all of the events that occur.
0: Challenges. I mean, Indianapolis is sure has certainly, and we're speaking uh, specifically about downtown. But Indianapolis has challenges. One of them is certainly uh, maintenance, ongoing and and strategic maintenance. Uh, there's been a discussion of a commuter tax and, and I hate to say this, I guess, hell, I just ran the IPS referenda that raised taxes. So let's just raise them all. Right. Um, uh, I'm a huge proponent of the commuter tax and I don't want to telegraph your punch, but talk a little bit about that. Cause that can get really kind of snotty. <laughs> <laughs> the discussion can get kind of snotty.
1: Yeah. You know, I've always liked the idea of a user fee. So if, if you're going to, you know, utilize a public service, you ought to pay for it. And so we do have a significant number of uh, folks that come into Marion County that don't live here. So they're not paying taxes in our county, but they're utilizing our roads, they're utilizing our fire, uh, certainly our emergency services. And yes, so I I do believe that uh, our city would uh, benefit greatly if we had that commuter tax. And
0: what's, what's the argument against it? I mean, so if, I'm already if,
1: paying taxes at home. So why should I pay them again? I think it's probably what people would likely say. Although I've had a lot of folks say, sure, put one a place. I drive, you know, through Marion County every day. I should pay. Is
0: yeah. there, is there, is it reasonable? Do you find the opposite side to what you believe reasonable? Or is it just a matter of, that's a cop out?
1: I think what is probably keeping us from actually putting one in place is um, the system. So how do, you, how do you create a system to collect those types of taxes? And I think if that were well thought out and people understood uh, a little bit more about how much they would pay for you, to, you know use of what services, uh, we'd probably get a little bit more rhythm on it
0: is it another example of downtown gets everything meaning Indianapolis gets everything so that the donut counties, the people who come in say, well, Indianapolis already gets this and downtown already gets that. I mean, that mentality I think is myopic to say the least, but, well, but is that what you run up against?
1: No, I think the, the question is, what is it going to be used for? Is it going to be used for infrastructure for, for better roads? If you're driving into downtown and you're leaving Hamilton County, uh, and there's a significant difference, and we've—I don't know how often you get there, but every once in a while—I'm
0: um, not allowed in Hamilton County. <laughs> I'm an Eastsider. We're, worn we're out. not allowed up there.
1: <laughs> so you know, you'll see that difference in in the road quality. I I think people would be willing to pay, if for no other reason, for damage to their vehicles.
0: Optimistic that it
1: can happen over time. I I have seen that it it generally takes. Uh, Something uh, to to get so bad before you'll see change. For for instance, um, we're on the taxes. Last year we undertook something called an economic improvement district, and it is where property owners tax themselves, and the resources go for really whatever they determine. But it was going to be for more cleanliness, maintenance of downtown, homeless services. Some more aspirational uh, aspects for downtown, property owners ended up signing on to that because they, the, the larger percentage signed on to it and unfortunately didn't pass the city council. But people understood what they were if they're going to pay a certain amount of money, this is what they were going to get. But the other portion that didn't sign it said, "Well, we're clean enough," which is probably true, and, and we're safe enough. Which is probably true. So we really don't need it. Most other cities that have put these in place, they're, uh, everything had deteriorated so badly that they went ahead and, and put an uh, economic improvement district in place to climb back out of it. So that. other cities have. So you were following the model of. We're the only city of size in the country that doesn't have one. And it's an interesting mentality
0: because good enough if that mentality had prevailed in the last 50 years, then we would be nothing. We would be what, what P.E. McAllister, who, who came here in the 40s, was from uh, Madison, is truly one of the founding fathers of modern Indianapolis. He said, we were just an oval in a cornfield. That's all we were for decades. And so this, this non-aspirational, non-willing to take the bit in their mouth and do what it takes to continue to punch right. above our weight... Okay, so does that make your head explode? Does that just make you go, do you understand how we 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 came from just Indianapolis to a destination city for the world? Right.
1: Again, it's everybody is continually competing. Every city is competing against each other for the events, for the talent, for you know, the what's jobs. right, Right. And and if we don't continually up our game, we're gonna start to fall behind.
0: Is there a particular, and I'm going to ask you about another challenge, but is there a particular city that you're like squinting at, keeping your eye on?
1: hear a lot of Nashville buzz. A lot of Nashville buzz, yes. I was just going to say I've been there, a lot of fun. Um, But, you know, I I will say every time I come back to Indianapolis, I think they don't have anything on us. So I'm still proud of where we are, uh, and I don't think that there are is necessarily and maybe I haven't been there yet but any cities that I have visited and I've gone to a lot that I've said they far exceed you know Indianapolis and what we have to offer
0: where should Indianapolis when uh, Stevie stays the remarkable Mm -hmm. Stevie who runs the city market and Amanda beautiful Amanda Kingsbury were on and we were talking about Indianapolis and they had a great perspective especially Amanda Stevie being in the trenches every day basically and Amanda being at the star and commenting all this thing what does Indianapolis need to do better?
1: Well, I mean, it's easy to always think about the the underbelly of what we can do better, and and you know, we, we need to invest more in our infrastructure. Uh, it is aging, and um, so we, we definitely need to pay attention to that. Uh, for us, uh, and and. Again, by comparison to other cities, we don't have a problem, but I spend a significant amount of my time with the homeless uh, population uh, in downtown. And we, we're working on it, but we don't have a very good system in place for permanently housing uh, homeless that have chronic um, addiction and, and mental illness.
0: And how much of that, and we're talking about challenges, how much of that falls on you? Or you feel like it falls on you because of the concentration in the very areas downtown that you're marketing to companies and organizations and events to come here. And I mean, nobody wants to be, I mean, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but it can get uncomfortable. It can
1: get very uncomfortable. And, you know, when you... uh Apologies, but, you know, when you have folks that are defecating, you know, out in front of buildings and laying in the door wells and, um, you know, they, they don't smell very good and, or they're uh, strung out on spice and it, it, it doesn't, uh, it, it's not a good combination when you have folks that are visiting downtown or coming here from a, uh, for a convention. So, you know, when you think about the homeless population, we have wonderful missions uh, for folks to go to on a temporary basis but we don't have a, a permanent housing solution in place for them and so we as a city uh, we're working on one but uh, it should have happened years ago and is it
0: fair or unfair that that you've played your organization plays a a disproportionate role it seems like or is it fair for people to look to you to be either the solution or a huge part of the solution or you're like guys we're we have different priorities. This is just one of them.
1: We're a good connector, so um, we hear a lot from our business owners, and uh, we work very closely with IMPD. So we understand the issues uh, related to the property owner side. You know they've they've got folks that are sleeping in their parking lots or um, you know in their doorwells, and there's just constant shenanigans going on. But I also know a lot of folks on the social service side, so it's uh, great that I can connect the two and help to mitigate some of the issues with street outreach and um, the services that are existing, and you know just help combine that company or that conversation.
0: You're listening to the Leaders and Legends podcast, presented by Veteran Strategies. We're here with Downtown Indy Inc. President Sherry Seward. And we're also sponsored by Girl Scouts of Central Indiana. The weather's changing. Circle's going to get only more busy. The areas around the circle are going to get only more busy. Is this when you really start to feel it? When you start to look at your calendar and like, wait, well, we got this, 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 this.
1: We do. It, uh you get it,
0: your vacation in early?
1: <laughs> Actually, have one planned for May, so it's not good timing, but it is <laughs> what it is. So uh, it, it really, things do tick up in the summer months and, uh, everybody wants to be outside. You know, it's, it's, you know, after a long winter, it's sort of that reward to be able to get outside and, and just enjoy sitting around the circle and uh, watch it, people watching, but so many events, uh, I looked at the event numbers and we've seen a significant increase in the number of events that are happening, in, happening in downtown by comparison to the rest of the city. Um, which we love, but, uh, yes, we have to be ready for it. And it's, it's the good with the bad. It's the fun. It's the people that want to come out and participate in the events. And again, it's the, we, we see an uptick in, in the homeless numbers and uh, what I call the travelers. Those are the folks that really don't stay here, but they come through and hang out uh, on the streets in the summer. So it's a, it's a lively downtown
0: Sherry, uh, pro scooter or anti-scooter.
1: So I have a Harley, uh, I'm happy about that. I've never been on a scooter. <laughs> How do you like that?
0: I, I, I guess you could paint <laughs> a scooter name on the side of your Harley and just tool around the cultural trail.
1: I think that, uh, you know, they, they were dropped in many cities, uh, and none of us were prepared. We don't have safe, um, places for them to ride. And if we did, I'd. I would feel a lot different about them. I will say I never see anyone on one that isn't happy. Everybody always has a big smile on their face. You know,
0: that's a great point. Now, those of us who ride our bicycles, I'm not a Harley person. That's I've right. actually never even been on a motorcycle. so
1: I could, I could fix that. I'm sure, yeah,
0: you might be the only one who could. Maybe Dave Taylor or someone from uh, IMPD. Uh, as someone who rides his bike downtown all the time, the writers tend to be in their own world, and that makes me a little nervous. It seems that they can't be on the cultural trail. They're not allowed to be on the cultural trail. Right. So then that pushes them out into the road, which as someone in a car, you're like, I'd rather get, I mean, if I was going to get hit by something on a scooter, I'd rather get hit by a bicycle than you know some sort of delivery sure. truck. How do you figure that out? Do you think it's still being figured out? Because you did. It you're is. right. They dropped him in here. The right. council kind of then weighed in. And then there was a little bit of a populist kind of pushback, like, let these people do this sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. then, but then you come downtown and it's a lot different than the Pacers bike share because we're all going the same speed. Right. It seems to me to be a natural addition to the city landscape, to the urban core, but it's not without danger. Is there a
1: solution you think that's waiting in the wings? Right. So we, you know, we tell scooter riders don't, you know, ride on the sidewalks and you're supposed to wear a helmet. How many of us carry around a helmet? Uh, when I've we're, never or, seen anyone. Never. So that pushes them on, onto the street, which unless we have dedicated um, bike pass and and or scooter pass, it, it really just isn't a good. It's a recipe for disaster. We've seen so many people get knocked off their scooters, unfortunately.
0: And so it's happening it, in other cities, too. Sure. So have you reached out to city X, Y or Z? We have. have you guys figured
1: this out? We have. We have. And so, you know, we continually try and put, you don't want to put too many rules on there, because then again, there again, people, well, they're not going to abide by them. Uh, And then it becomes a lot more work for IMPD to try and chase after folks and and ticket them. So uh, I think if we can, uh, you know, just think logically about not only what we have with scooters, we will likely have dockless bikes, uh, other cities are talking about those as the do next. they get
0: picked up as well like the scooters do and right. then pushed back into? Because right. the bike share program has been pretty, my it's, understanding, it's been very popular and very successful. And
1: it's wonderful because you <laughs> you know where the bike is and you know where you're going to drop it off and it's not laying on the sidewalk. Um, but if we get dockless bikes, then, you know, think about that coupled with scooters and, and you know, the sidewalk, people don't think about it. But it, it really is, it, it has become an expensive piece of real estate. And so with everything that, you know, including, you know, outdoor cafes and, you know, the the utilization of our sidewalks, we need to be very thoughtful about what can be out on the sidewalks and what shouldn't be. Because it's, it's really,
0: and you push back on this, it's really two separate sets of activation working against each other. You want like going back to Stevie at the market and the plaza and now there's the games and there's places to eat out there and and things that have really changed over the last 10 to 12 years at the market. So if people are going to be milling about, which is what you want, hopefully spending money, then that seems to not necessarily mesh well with somebody who doesn't have a helmet on, who's going 15 miles an hour on a scooter. Is that something you've, that's one example, perhaps. Are there other examples that you have encountered? You're like, we've we've got the irresistible object and the resistible, whatever the hell it is. What's it called? Irresistible Im- Im- immovable object and irresistible force in multiple <laughs> cases downtown. Speaking of my PS education. How do you are there other examples where you've got competing interests? They're both good, perhaps, but they're in conflict.
1: Well, um, let me turn that around and think about, you know, why we why the scooters do benefit us. Uh, Think about the folks that are living downtown, but they may not be able to afford the immediate, you know, when I think of the core of downtown, the rents, you know, the average rents 12 to $1,400 a month. So, you know, push out a concentric circle, and the scooter then becomes uh, a means of transportation, right? So it's, it's inexpensive, you don't have to own a car. And if you don't have a bike uh, or don't want to lug it around, boy, it's great. Why not just hop on a scooter? Or if you're taking the red line in, but it drops you off, you know, at, at uh, five blocks from your office, why not hop on a scooter and be able to take that right to your front door? So, you know, it really does uh, benefit folks beyond just, you know, somebody that wants to have a little bit of fun. Uh, it can become that next leg of a, a multimodal uh, transit plan,
0: especially as there's more shops downtown where you don't have to go to the Kroger and Nora and once a week and load up a bunch of grocery, you can go to say, I'm going to go to Whole Foods, or I'm going to go to Needler's for just every two days and have right. a couple of bags. And that's it. Yeah. You mentioned something there kind of in passing, which, which uh, prevented me from making a grievous error. And that'd be the omission of mentioning the red line is that a downtown issue for you or is that bigger that it's obviously a bigger downtown development, but how critical is the red line to you to downtown Indy Inc and getting people in and out and to and from work. And it's the to and from work part that I think people don't pay enough attention to.
1: Agreed. So, you know, emissions has always been an issue for the city. Our air quality is not great, but when you think about uh, leasing more space in downtown, most office brokers will tell you that parking is a big issue. Denison
0: was one of my clients, and that's constant. Agreed,
1: right? And so employers feel this obligation to pay for their employees' parking. Uh, yet we're running, we, we're not running out of parking spaces. We have plenty of parking spaces in downtown. They're just not in the right places. So uh, if we can figure out uh, a, a better, um, you know, share of folks riding the the um, BRT uh, beyond you know the red line will have the blue line and purple and um, I think that that will still allow us to not be um, so concerned about parking and you know having our car right underneath our office and and you know if we can start to say to our employers why not just give your employee a hundred bucks and let them decide That way, you know, they can figure out if they want to take the red line and, you know, the bike share and and instead of paying for parking. But, you know, I've seen in other cities that lessens the burden by about 20 percent. You get the sense that transportation
0: for Indianapolis is the preferred method of transportation for Indianapolis. It's it's not. Correct me. Say I'm wrong. It's cultural. We got the interstates, we've got the roads, we just expect our cars. It's just, it's, it's cars, almost like we? Pavlov. We just expect right. to just walk in and get our cars. And when I was working for Mayor Ballard and this discussion was really starting to take off, not that other administrations hadn't tried to tackle it, but my thought was is that Hoosiers are addicted to the convenience of getting in their car and being able to go wherever they want, whenever they want. And until you change the culture or the mindset, then all of this spending and investment, while it's not necessarily a bad idea, That's as big a hurdle as anything else. Is that a fair statement? It is fair. Hoosiers culture.
1: Yes. Yes. I've heard many people say, but we love our cars and it's true. We do. And I, you know, it could be partly the weather. uh, You know, you just don't want to schlep to the, we don't have a good park and ride system. Uh, You know, you want to be able to hop in your car whenever you need to and not wait on a scheduled bus to, you know, five blocks away. Um, So yeah, I, I think again, Until parking prices get so ridiculous and people start to look for alternatives, uh, we'll continue to...
0: I just joined the downtown Y, the city way. I mean, you can go to any Y. Sure. 100% the reason was parking. I used to work out at the Columbia Club and I would spend 15... No offense to the Columbia Club, terrific place, but you'd spend 15 minutes driving around downtown to find a parking space. And on a four degree day, if you were lucky enough to find one two blocks away, well then... Kind of is no incentive, whereas I thought the CityWay YMCA with its parking program, I mean, it had me. I'm looking to move into a condo or an apartment, and everyone I talk to, first question is, okay, tell me about parking. Tell me about that. And they go, that's everybody's first question. Mm -hmm. And I think it's cultural, and we're used to that convenience.
1: When you look at the analytics of our website, it is the number one reason people go to our website is for parking. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Well, they would assume you would be the experts, right? So that makes sense. Sure. Last question before we go to the five questions is downtown Indy Inc is obviously a nonpartisan. It's not, doesn't get involved in, in particular fights, but you've had to work with different mayors and different leaders. Yes. You worked for mayor Goldsmith. Mm -hmm. What was that like and how does working for a mayoral administration help you understand what other mayors need and emphasize?
1: So you understand that working for a local government is not easy and that you are uh, on all the time. I mean, you don't put, you know, at the time, you just don't put your <laughs> phone down. You don't put your, you have to be able to respond all the time. And it is, I'll tell you, it's between city and state government. It's even more interesting because in state government, you're not in somebody's backyard. I mean, you you don't get the constant barking dog uh you know, questions and want solutions as you do at the city level. So because of the state level, you know, they have their own local jurisdiction, so they're going to bother their own city council or or mayor. So there's a vast difference between state and local government. Um, But working for a city, you do understand that you have to be responsive to the general public. Then you have the city county council, and then you certainly have uh, the mayor. And so Uh, trying to you learn politics even if you're apolitical you you learn that system pretty quickly and you also understand again how uh, the city's budget works uh, and how difficult it is to be all things to all people with uh, a small budget it's coming up
0: it's coming up on a series of amazing events ryan vaughn talked about it in the podcast uh, we did with him The next three or four years for Indianapolis are going to be maybe five years are going to be off the charts in terms of sporting, big sporting events, national championship games, uh, all star games, that sort of thing. Are you planning now like you're like you understand what's coming?
1: Well, we do understand what's coming and it is, you know, One great thing about Indianapolis, uh, among many, but we often talk about the partnerships that we have. And so it is great that um, when we do have big events coming, that the sports corp can reach out to us or visit Indy, you know, that we will all work together. Everybody gets along. Absolutely. And so that is a huge benefit in working in this field. And, and because we know that at the end of the day, we, you know, to make the city look good, to make the event uh, run well, we all have to work together. So that's wonderful. Uh, we as an organization uh, have recently been awarded a grant from Lily Endowment to. Um, create a um uh, an activation on monument circle and so we're we're working on that now so that it can certainly be in place by the time these large events uh, come to indianapolis and that will be a uh, uh, There's a whole lighting component to it, as well as uh, a video mapping uh, on the exterior of uh, some of the buildings on the circle. If you think about that, the facades of the building. So it'll be fun. It'll just be a fun activation for uh, large events.
0: Before we get to the five questions, let me give you an opportunity. Tell folks why they should support Downtown Indy, Inc., what comes with being involved, with being a member or a sponsor? Make a plug for people to contribute and join and be members.
1: How nice of you. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if uh, if you care about downtown um, from a personal perspective or from an economic perspective, Downtown Indie Inc. is the, we often call ourselves the people behind the place. We're the ones that help to to. Um, make sure that downtown continues to be vibrant uh we help to manage that chaos that occurs in downtown <laughs> and uh you know we're we're kind of the oil that makes the engine run so um you know it, again, I go back to this personal level, you know, you may think about circle of lights. That's one of the events that we do. And, and so it's a
0: tree lighting for monument circle.
1: It's a traditional event that some people feel very strongly about, uh, that too, you know, if you want to continue to have a safe downtown, you know, we're, we try to, um, we try to make a significant impact in all of those areas.
0: In the, poli- in the IMPD downtown, especially uh, Phil Burton, who's a friend of mine, yes. who, they're a terrific, terrific group of people.
1: They are. They are. We work very closely with them. And Captain Mann, who, uh, by virtue of his position um, with IMPD, works part-time on our um, staff and then part-time with downtown district. And so it's a huge benefit for us. We know exactly what's going on any minute of the day as it relates to, uh, the crime element. And then of course, you know, we have great relationships with the property owners. So the combination of having the partnership between IMPD and, and the building owners is great.
0: Truth serum time. Uh Do you have a particularly favorite convention? When you A see people thing. coming in and walking around?
1: Well, FDIC, the firefighters coming in. <laughs> <laughs> you just park your Harley there on Georgia Street? <laughs> you know, I will say. Andy, are I you listening? Do, I do <laughs> love motorcycles on Meridian. It is, if you've never been to it, it to, to see thousands of motorcycles parked all from, from Monument Circle. And, and there's your stacked up next to each other, just thousands of them around Minor Circle, all the way down to Georgia Street, all the way down South Meridian. It's it's a lot of fun. Just Isn't it to, one to year was the
0: motor GP it. the same weekend as Gen Con? It
1: was. It was And I took
0: my kids downtown, speaking of things you never did when you were younger. Yes. As yes. you can attest, is is to go downtown with your kid with your parents and just walk around. And it was like <laughs> to see all these motorcyclists and to your point and then you know there's Obi-Wan right. Kenobi three feet away
1: it was great you know we do I think we try to make sure that we can put as many uh conventions uh you know going on at once and it, it's hard for the convention center to accommodate all of them and so we've either had drum corps and you know motorcycles are written or you know just it's it's fun to see the peerings
0: yeah. and there's never an issue we're nope. very, very, very that you know rare. Of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're listening to the Leaders and Legends podcast, presented by Veteran Strategies and sponsored by the Girl Scouts of Central Indiana. We're here with Sherry Seiwert, who is president. Are you CEO too? Uh, president. Ooh, president of Downtown Indy Inc. We've come to the five questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. What was the first job you had?
1: The very first job, or the first job out of college.
0: Very first job.
1: I worked at the original Capri restaurant, which was on Fifty Fourth Street, and I was the salad girl. And <laughs> <laughs> I was so badly wanted a job, and so I told them I was fifteen. I was really only fourteen, mm-hmm. but they hired me. Yeah, so that was that was my first taste of uh, the the restaurant business. I waited tables, many many tables. So after there's that.
0: the tool girl, tool time girl. Now we have the salad girl. <laughs> What was your first concert? (laughs) Not with your parents, the first concert that you went to.
1: Oh, come on. With my parents, you're going to like, David Cassidy. (laughs) That was not my choosing.
0: (laughs) And that was with your parents or you actually bought the ticket?
1: I did not. I went along. My sister had this huge crush on him. David Cassidy from the
0: Partridge family, in case you all aren't old enough to know.
1: Yep, and she needed someone to go with her. So the unfortunate little sister went with her to the state fairgrounds to hear David Cassidy. Oh,
0: remember any of the songs?
1: Awful. No, fortunately I don't. Do you?
0: <laughs> no, I was listening to uh, <laughs> Houses of the Holy by Led Zeppelin on 8-track, thank God. The benefit of having older brothers and sisters. Was your first 8-track?
1: Um, I was the Beach Wars? The first
0: 8-track I can remember seeing was... Um, I think it's deep purple, machine head, whatever had smoke on the water on it. I think that may be a machine head. <laughs> Is that right? And my, my sister's 10 years older than me. So when I was four, five, six, seven,
1: That's what you I mean, it's, to. it's Beatles, sure. the white
0: album. It's, you know, right. Led Zeppelin two, It's that sort of stuff. So I really got really the who for it. I got really lucky. Wow. As, as opposed to what was passes for Alice music Cooper these days. And,
1: right. So I understand the older sibling. Mm-hmm.
0: I'll have to show you the picture I posted of my son on at the Alice Cooper concert. Oh, you should. Oh, he loved it. Loved it. <laughs> I told him, I said, you've taken the average age of this concert goers and by, lowered it by about 80%. <laughs> Sorry to digress. Uh, if you could recommend any book to someone, which book would you recommend?
1: Oh, my gosh. Is that what everybody says? Oh, my gosh. Let me think about this. Well, they say, oh, my God, and then they say the Bible. uh, (laughs) Well, That's not what's going to come out of my mouth. But, uh, you know, I I read uh, a book, uh, going back to to homelessness, read a book uh, that a friend of mine wrote called Crazy and uh, Pete Early we used to write for the post and, uh, he has a son that is schizophrenic. And so he, he writes about just the institutionalization of, uh, those that are homeless with a mental illness and, and kind of takes it through his, uh, personal journey. So yeah, that was good. It's a good one.
0: And it's been helpful. Yes. If you could witness any event in history, be there when it happened. Which event? This is why you don't get these questions ahead of time, Madam President. So
1: you can read our faces and go, are you kidding me?
0: <laughs> witness any event in history. Be there when it happened, as it happened.
1: You know, I was just a kid, uh, maybe not even, um, when the civil rights movement was in full swing. And But, you know, I would like to go just be a, um, a witness or, or be able to to see that firsthand, some of, you know, Rosa Parks, you know, I I would love to be able to just to uh, be
0: on the bus when she said, no, I'm not getting up.
1: Right. Right. And just every, you know, the, the real stories that, that occurred when that, um, again, when the civil rights movement was in full swing,
0: you ever been to the Henry Ford museum? I've not just go to Henry Ford museum. That's up by Detroit. Uh, the museum has the bus.
1: Oh, that's right. There's a famous picture of President Obama
0: on it, but they have the actual bus. read that. Last question is, if you could have dinner with anyone in the world, a couple hours, off the record, talk about anything, who would you choose? Whom would you choose? No family members. No family members? No, Greg Ballard. No family members. No, you know what? I
1: would, you know, if if you've lost a a parent, you would normally say, He said Winnie.
0: He said Winnie. Did he? He, him and hawed, and then he goes, of course, Winnie. I was...
1: (laughs) I can't say Andy. Uh, so a historic figure of... Uh,
0: anyone in the world right now, sit down for a couple hours.
1: You know... Oh, that is so hard. Uh, anyone in the world... Is it, it like a... Can I say Einstein? I mean, somebody that would just someone be so nope, someone fascinating. Living, that, someone
0: living. living right now. Have to be alive. No favorite uh, rock star? No favorite celebrity? No favorite author? No. Uh, you can say Abdul.
1: <laughs> I can find him anytime at the Coffee Club <laughs> 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 or, or smoking a cigar. Okay, sorry, Andy, Harrison Ford. So I've never been starstruck, but uh, you know I find that uh, that man fascinating. So there you go.
0: He's a. I mean. He's the premier popular actor of the generation for sure, and he certainly seems very down to earth and exactly and a fun companion.
1: I know that's just not what probably your listeners want
0: to hear. <laughs> you know, I could have just, I should have been a better host and said, if you could take anyone on a ride on your Harley, who? would well, you Well, there
1: choose? you go. So yeah, start, all right, you start get a mulligan. So again. that's the. I do, I do get a mulligan. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, well it'll still still be the same. Answer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you very much Sherry for coming on today. You are terrific.
1: My pleasure. Thank not you so much for person. asking me.
0: Well, you're 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 very welcome and there's not a single person I know who works as hard to make Indianapolis look great and to make people feel at home in maybe sometimes a city that's not theirs. And so we owe you a debt of gratitude. Thank you. You've been listening to Leaders and Legends podcast. My name is Robert Vane. We are Sponsored by Veteran Strategies, and we also have a new and wonderful relationship with the Girl Scouts of Central Indiana. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for listening to Leaders and Legends, brought to you by Veteran Strategies Incorporated. If you want to contact us about this program or our menu of public relations services, please send us an email at robert at Strategies.com. That's robert at Strategies.com.